basketball fans everywhere i guess uh particularly hawks fans for this one appreciate you for coming through and checking out the show uh remember that you can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcast that being itunes google podcast spotify red circle stitcher as well streaming live on um on youtube as well as on twitch and on periscope remember to follow along on all social media platforms at tates take hoops that is at t-a-t-e-s-t-a-k-e-h-o-o-p-s this is episode 58 now i believe uh and the hawk talk i guess is what i like to call this particular segment been ramping up quite a bit of the uh atlanta hawks content which is always a good thing and uh without further ado i told you i was gonna bring my boy up in here to um talk a little bit about some of these atlanta hawks so without further ado let's get ready to bring him in right now this is my dude man terrell thomas sports and entertainment reporter content creator and owner of these urban times give him a follow on social media at eldorado 24 52 that is at e-l-d-o-r-a-d-o 2452 double t what's popping baby hey hey man pleasure pleasure to be sitting here love talking sports with you man you know you're a brother that i got a lot of love and respect for so it's great to be here shout out to the hawks fans that are tuned in Uh, i'm glad to talk some hawks and some hoops with you man yeah no doubt hawks fans and hawks haters because there are some of those too believe it or not (laughs) Living the Mamba hat too, by the way, man. That's pretty dope. Um, mm-hmm. 122 to 116 loss last night. Let's go ahead and get some of that stuff out of the way while we can. Lost to the uh, Dallas Mavericks and Luca came to town and so forth. Um, you're in some of these post-game pressers just as much as I am. And I first want to kind of start out with some of the things that uh, – that the head coach Lloyd Pierce said, particularly first things first in his presser, uh, just making it known that, you know, Dallas did a very, very good job defensively uh, on Trey Young and taking him out of the game and so forth. And it seems like one of the elephant in the room words, if there's a such thing as that, has been execution in the last few press con- game press conferences that I've been a part of. Uh, between the execution and taking Trey out of the game, and we'll get to Trey's comments in a second, um, how do you kind of assess uh, how this team needs to kind of turn things around coming off of what I believe is now a two-game losing streak after the Lakers and the Mavericks, I think? Yeah, three, because uh, the Nets. The Nets, that's right, the Nets. Uh, it, You know, I – I don't want to sound like a Homer reporter, uh, but I think it's still so hard to judge these Hawks right now just because of the elephant in the room, the injuries. Rotations every night have been different. It seems like every other night a player's hurt. Of course, we haven't seen Bogey really on the, on the floor as of yet. Uh, DeAndre Hunter just recently suffered an injury. Uh, so the, the rotations have been – we haven't seen Chris Dunn at all uh, uh, yet this season. The injuries have plagued this team. They they, they truly have. Um, but when you have a player the caliber of Trey Young, when you do bring when you make so much noise in the offseason with the free agents they brought in, we've just really got to, got to see Gallo play. I believe three or four straight games. He was also uh, suffering with some injuries as of, as of recently. I feel like the guys are still trying to find a way to gel and to find their chemistry on the court. And unfortunately, uh, as they're looking to gel, 
Hawks fans, media here, and even some national media are, are, are ready for the Hawks to take that leap. This is Trey Young's third season in the league now. Uh, John Collins, we've seen some things for him. Of course, it's a contract year for that brother. Although uh, Clint Capella was coming off of an injury, we know that he damn near has all-star capabilities as far as his defensive prowess, uh, the way that he rebounds and blocks the ball. And surprisingly, he's also given us a lot offensively. I think that's kind of been a surprise that we've seen in Capella's game so far. Um, but mm-hmm. you, you you have hit it on the head. These guys are professional athletes. So, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to have excuses. It's, it's kind of hard to, to, to get them excuses. And what you said about execution is key. Uh, Dallas, we, 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 we cover a league or we see uh, we're, we're involved in a league where folks do watch tape. And, and now Dallas may have put out tape on ways in which you can kind of can contain Trey Young. Trey has been the, the past two weeks. Trey's been going off. If it's not a 40 point night or up, it's 38 points. And he's also found ways to facilitate and get guys the ball. Uh, mainly during this stretch, it was DeAndre Hunter before his in- injury, uh, Clint Capella, and John Collins. So I, 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 I don't want to beat around the bush or avoid the question, but I think it's kind of hard for them to even learn how to execute together in these COVID times, not really being able to practice and not even having the time yet on the court in live games to really gel and, and figure out how to win down the stretch. These teams that have beat, the Hawks recently, the Lakers, the Nets, and the Mavs—they—they—they they, have—they—they've been together. They—they kind of—they kind of know each other. Now it may not have been a long time. The Nets are still coming together, but those guys, uh, Harden, KD, and, and, and Kyrie—they play ball a lot together in open gyms and and settings like that. So this is their first time professionally gelling together. Uh, but outside of Trey and Clint, who who we know over the summer were getting a lot of a lot of hoops in together, as, as well as DeAndre Hunter, these guys mm-hmm. are trying to find their footing. So I think uh, execution is key. I honestly feel bad for Coach Pierce because it feels like, you know, so many people are looking at him and pointing at him for for this going wrong or that going wrong. And it's hard to implement a system once again when guys aren't available or guys aren't on the floor. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because it is a player's league uh, and anything that goes wrong for a coach like Pierce, um, you know, it's it's all all the fingers are going to point to him Uh, and. While it is unfortunate um, and where it may not be fair, uh, we all understand that it's a business, that this isn't 2K. Uh, and, you know, with you mentioning uh, a few things about some of the injuries, I mean, there was a point in time when many of the guys that they either a traded for or just in general acquired uh, were not even on the floor together. And I feel like that's about six or seven guys. You had Rondo who wasn't getting on the floor because of an issue and, um, you had Gallo and Gallinari and uh, Snell was in that conversation. And um, I feel like I'm still missing like one or two guys along the way. But nonetheless, you still had that issue. And, and it's still now where I really feel like it's starting to come together from an injury standpoint, because we finally got a chance to see Snell and, you know, right. finally got a chance to see uh, 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 um, uh, Gallinari come back. But then as soon as he comes back, then bogey goes out and, as soon as this happens, you know, then uh, DeAndre Hunter goes out. It just seems like guys are exchanging places uh, for uh, on the on the IR, which is definitely something that's been hurting the Hawks because uh, everybody knows with what they acquire uh, how much more of a dangerous team they can be. But I just hope that with especially a shortened season, we can see these guys on the floor together. 
so that they can develop some sort of chemistry and we don't be going down the line, going into last few games, entering playoffs and so forth. And they don't look as good. And everybody's going to say, well, Trey got the help that he wanted and yet still, but injuries is something that people aren't really going to point the finger at and pay attention to. And hopefully we can get these guys back healthier. Um, let me ask you about one player, and we'll circle back around and come to some other guys. By the way, the Dallas Mavericks, 8-0 and when leading at the end of the first quarter this season uh, and obviously led at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and I think it's something also, before I get to Cam Reddish, that John Collins alluded to by saying we have to get out to faster starts. This is a team that tends to come out slow uh, and play themselves back in the way into the game. First, before I get to Cam Reddish, just give me a little bit of your thoughts on what's the mentality. I mean, I can't imagine the answer could be anything more than you got to start faster. That's obvious. Um, what kind of approach should they be taking? What should they be doing differently? I'm sure that they've been working on it to be able to get off to some of these faster starts. Uh, um, from, my, from my personal opinion, I, I think that all begins and ends with Trey Young. Um, from what I've seen from Trey in, in these last few games, in these last few weeks, it's almost like in the first quarter he's facilitating. He's kind of uh, finding out the pace, seeing how the defense is playing him. And then in the, uh, the, the second half of the game, coming at the halftime, a third quarter, he's exploding with 17-point quarters and uh, 12 or 10-point quarters. I think Trey has to come out uh, and just – I don't want to say be a gunner, but he needs to set the tone offensively in the first quarter. He has to go out there, take a few shots – uh, get in the rhythm, and I know that may that may hinder some other guys on the, on the floor who aren't able to create their own shots like Trey Young. But I think that will change the way teams are defending them. I think if Trey's get if he if he gets hot early as well, uh, that can help the Hawks jump out to a quicker a, a faster lead, and then he can kind of facilitate you know keep that pace going from the game on. Or uh, he he can jump out to an early start, and we can just get used to seeing forty and fifty point nights from Trey all the time. But I think even though the, uh, he, he's a young player, he's a young man. Everything does center around Trey Young. It really does. The talent around him it, it centers around Trey Young. Uh, so I think he just may need to be a little more aggressive scoring the ball versus facilitating in which he's been doing. Yeah, we're gonna get to some of the post game comments by Trey Young first. Post-game comments by Lloyd Pierce when asked about Cam Reddish. And I want to get your opinion on Cam Reddish because I have some of my own that I have formed. Uh, but Lloyd Pierce essentially, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, is saying that Cam has to really stay engaged. You know, it's a it's a long process for him. Uh, and I think it was, I want to say it was post-game, maybe it was pre-game of the Lakers, uh, where he just kind of mentioned how good that Cam plays defense and cutting off passing lanes and so forth. But of course it's a risk that you take. So, you know, it's really about the timing from that standpoint. Uh, and even more so that's kind of like his strength and his weakness. Obviously I would imagine it's his strength when he's timing it correctly, but when he's not, it's his weakness and just that mentality of feeling like you can go and get that ball. Um, his approach to the game, a lot of people, I mean, coming into this thing and that's just in the NBA in general last year, uh, a lot of people questioned uh, a lot of things about him, maybe his approach to the game, maybe how serious he takes it. I'm the type of person that personally feels like Cam's body language. Uh, a lot of people feel like it's not always where it needs to be, but I think that that's his personality. Like his personality is exactly what you see from him on the court. 
whether that's a good or or, or not necessarily a great thing. I kind of want to get your take on what's been going on with Cam because Cam has been up and down. I mean, essentially, if I'm just being honest, between he and and, and DeAndre Hunter uh, and Kevin Herter, those three guys on the wing, nobody was necessarily really outplaying the other guy during times and so forth. And now things are kind of revealing themselves where Hunter has been looking extremely good prior to getting injured. And then Herter had an outstanding game on last night and surpassing over 500 assists. Uh, unbelievable to think that he had, that he would have more in a game than Trey Young would, but uh, for his career. But um, Cam is still kind of trying to get reeled into this thing. And sometimes I think that it's more so in between the ears than it is anything else. What is your assessment on Cam Reddish and what you think it'll take to kind of get that explosiveness and that pure jump shooting and tenacious defensively and the Cam Reddish that everybody expects and know that he can be, what do you think that is going to take before he can get that? Because I know you're close with dude and you guys both Philly guys and so forth. Yeah, no, that uh, that's that's what I was going to say. Uh, being a Philly native, uh, when Cam Reddish was, was in high school and even as uh, in, his, in his year at Duke, uh, a lot of people at home, different basketball coaches were just talking about uh, the great talent that this young man had, how for the past few years he's been the best and he's been the most dominant player uh, for his age or in his, in his class. We've heard a few rookies and sophomores uh, currently in the NBA who were asked over the, uh, over the last two summers, like, well, who's the toughest guy you've played recently? Mm-hmm. And they all you know, were quick to say Cam Reddish and throw Cam Reddish's name out there. So one thing that is undeniable is that the young man has talent. And as you mentioned, he has talent on the defensive side of the ball and he has talent offensively as well. Um, I, I honestly can't put a finger on what is going on. I, in my personal opinion, I think the fact of him still being a young player and having that one day you're starting, the next day on your bench, like he really doesn't have a defined role yet. I feel like the Hawks are still trying to find a role for him. Of course, with him being a uh, fourth overall pick, that comes with high. Excuse me, uh, uh, the tenth overall pick, a top Church. ten pick. Mm-hmm. That comes with high expectations, um, but people did believe that he had the talent to be a top five pick. That he that that it was a great chance that a team would take him. So when he fell to number ten with the Hawks, it seemed like to be a, a you know a, the st- the still of the night, the heist of uh, of the decade. And I, I, what I what I hope doesn't happen. I I feel like once Cam unlocks his treasure box and fully and really keeps it going all night, we are going to see a perennial All Star. And I hope that it happens here in the Atlanta Hawks uniform. I hope that it doesn't get to a situation where they give up on Cam too early uh, or, or, or a situation like that. And he goes to a team and flourishes um, because I, I do. I, I believe that him and Trey Young together and DeAndre, from what we've seen, because what you said is a thousand percent correct. DeAndre has pretty much set himself a, a, a away from the pack uh, to start this season. He has been phenomenal offensively. You can tell he's worked on his game, his three-point game, his mid-range game. And defensively, we already knew he was solid as a rock. And every night he's been going up against the the best players from the opposing team, and he's still been able to do his thing on the offensive side of the ball. So I I, I know I've been really pleased with DeAndre, and I I believe that the Hawks have been really pleased with DeAndre as well. With Cam, though, as you mentioned, I think that he he has to find consistency within the organization so that he can be consistent himself. We have seen him flourish on the defensive side of the ball. We we truly have, but I that's not Cam's. That's not his his best aspect. Like he's a great defender, 
But when he's engaged and he's on point, he's an even better scorer. And I think that's what the Hawks really need, especially in a time like this with them suffering from so many injuries and things of that nature. Like, this is his time to shine. This is his time to show that, you know, he should he, – he why he was the 10th overall pick, why so many people saw him as a possible top five pick. I think uh, possibly the situation that Duke hindered him a little bit. Uh, he was pretty much Chris Bosh at Duke. You had Zion as the number one stunner, uh, almost in that LeBron James role. R.J. Barrett was looked as as the as the second uh, the second man, or you know, in that in that situation. And Cam pretty much was was the was the third star. He still was a star, but playing college ball, he wasn't able to really excel and really unlock some things that I feel like on that level would help him in the NBA. Still a young player. Uh, but as we mentioned, this is a professional league, so there are no excuses for, for anyone. Uh, Cam has to get it together offensively. He has to be more consistent and really show that Philly grit and, and prove once again to people why he's so highly touted. Yeah, it's definitely a big boys game. And uh, I've always been the person that was like this. And and granted, I know people may feel a little differently or however they want. I've always been one and people who've been subscribing to this podcast. I'm appreciative of them for doing so. I've heard me say a million times that uh, Cam is a dude that reminds me of even a current NBA player. Now, I'm not saying that this guy could be this other guy, but I'm just saying that I believe he had the tools to be him. And that's Rudy Gay in comparison to a Scottie Pippen. I felt like Rudy could have been that Scottie Pippen-ish, maybe not achieved all the same accolades and did all the same things, but has those physical abilities and tools to be able to be that. But That's Rudy Gay didn't. Rudy Gay did. Rudy did not want to be that. Rudy wanted to be Rudy, and I kind of get that same feeling about Cam Reddish. And I know people's comparison to Paul George and everything else and whatever else. Uh, that probably was more hairstyle than anything I think at the time. But uh, <laughs> realistically, I just feel like that the approach is very similar uh, to Rudy Gay, and so. Um, I just kind of wanted to throw that piece out there. Terrell Thomas, sports and entertainment reporter, content creator, and owner of These Urban Times. Check him out. Also a huge uh, reason for why I embrace and am a huge advocate of uh, supporting black media. Uh, that's very, very important, especially what's going on right now, trying to make sure we're keeping our feet on the accelerators. Make sure that you give him a uh, give him a follow on Twitter, man, at El Dorado, El Dorado 2452, at El Dorado 2452. A little bit more post-game comments. Uh, one of them coming now from Trey Young, and I think you alluded to this a little bit. Pardon me while I take my eyes away from the screen for a second. Uh, in a question that he was asked, paraphrasing again, uh, the way that they guarded me tonight was surprising. I hadn't seen that kind of defense in a long, long time, and I kind of feel like he put some emphasis on that a little bit. Uh, and we're going to circle back around and get to that. I just want to get through the rest of a uh, couple of his comments and whatnot. We have to know what we're doing on our sets to limit the turnovers, not making up things on the fly. Turnovers, obviously a big deal for this team right now. 16 of them last night. Last night. Uh, also mentioning that it's not frustrating to see that kind of defense is really more so a sign of respect. And then just kind of asking, looking forward to the game against Utah, which is going to take place on tonight. Uh, that may obviously be if you guys are hearing uh, this podcast after tonight, tonight being the fourth on a Thursday of February, but uh, saying to defeat the Jazz, we have to get stops and cut down on turnovers while converting on shots. Uh, the way that I was guarding tonight, the way that I was being guarded tonight was a learning lesson. Uh, 
So when you take those comments about how it was a learning lesson by the way that he was guarded in saying uh, that it was surprising to him, some defense that he hasn't seen in a long, long time, I would imagine he better get used to it. I want to ask you if you're in agreement with me on this because it almost kind of seems like Dallas is putting together the blueprint of how to guard him. Do you think that that's something that Utah and I guess Toronto and some other teams that are coming up real soon are pretty much going to be taking note of? I do. And uh, ironically, those two teams are are highly efficient on the defensive side of the ball. I believe Utah won about eight or nine straight, something like that. Uh, And Toronto, we know what they can do when they get rolling. Uh, They still pretty much they have a lot of the pieces that they had when they went to the finals. A few new acquisitions over there as well. But they have the wing, the wing place, the wing players, excuse me, who can disrupt and can give give Trey a hard time. Uh, I think, though, I have a lot of faith in Trey Young. I have a lot mm-hmm. of faith in how, in how he manages the game. I have a lot of faith in, uh, although he's very young, I believe he has a very high basketball IQ. I, I, he still has a lot to learn for sure, um, but I, I, I believe he know he's very aware of who he is as a player, his strengths and his weaknesses, and I believe that he's aware of the strengths and the weaknesses of his teammates. Um, so although, as, as we mentioned uh, a moment ago and prior, the blueprint is out, um, but I, I think now Trey realizes – and, and and he'll take the experience from that game and know what adjustments he needs to make, uh, what to do in that situation, how to get the ball out of his hands quicker. Um, I know Go- Coach Pierce mentioned something something yesterday about the comparisons that people like to compare Steph to uh, Trey Young to Steph Curry, and mm-hmm. that they're looking for for Trey to run off of more screens and things of that nature. That's really not his game. That's something that may come in time, um, but that's not his game. He's he's a facilitator. He's a scorer. That's where he excels. Um, so I, 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 I know he's questionable tonight. I hope that he does get some minutes out there on the court and he does play and he, he is able to demonstrate what he can do with this roster. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think he does. He, he has to, I, I think from that press conference and I, and I'm, and a lot of this is also hoping and, and opinionated, uh, 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 by the way. So I'll throw this out, throw that out there, but I, I, I was hoping, uh, cause I actually asked him yesterday, like what, what, what do you guys need to do to bounce back three straight losses? Tough Utah team coming in here. Like, and the three straight losses have been at home. They've been at State Farm Arena. Like, what can you guys do to get back on the winning track? And he's pretty much said what you're talking about. Cut down the turnovers, uh, be more efficient in their sets. And even if they're not efficient in their sets, like, these guys, they all play ball. Like, come on, you're professionals. You all know mm-hmm. how to get down the running gun. Find a way to get the ball in the bucket. There is enough offensive talent on that team. Even if Trey Young isn't scoring, if he's just facilitating to make plays and make things happen, uh, so I think Trey just got to be quicker with the ball. With the ball, he has to make quicker decisions. A lot of times, he does like to play around and, and, and dribble, and you know, uh, show up the defender kind of sort to get to get the defender out of his game. I think he has to be quicker on the attack, and that will that will change the way the teams defend him and kind of get him back in the groove and get the Hawks back in the groove of winning. 21 points, nine assists, four rebounds for Trey Young last night. And most people might be like, eh, it was a high game. And I think sometimes by seeing certain players putting up 30-something, 40-something, close to 50 uh, on such a consistent basis in this league where it's so offensively driven versus the way that it was when we were growing up, it kind of yeah. makes these numbers really just kind of look like they're just like averaged out in a sense. Those are still big numbers on the biggest stage of the NBA, especially coming from a guy with such ball, such small body stature uh, like myself. And Trey's not too, 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 too much bigger. So, um, you know, let me ask you this before we start getting into the next couple games, obviously Utah being tonight. 
You mentioned how Trey Young off the ball, that's not him naturally. Completely understand or overstand that, okay? Um, there's been some some shakeups, at least just situational shakeups, I guess you could say, where you put Rondo on the floor uh, at the same time and let him be the primary ball handler and point guard and setting things up. I personally don't think that that's necessarily a bad idea just because uh, Trey Young has so many responsibilities to distribute and facilitate the ball, to shoot the basketball, to score the basketball in the lane, setting up other guys, the defensive liability that everybody likes to rag on him about and so forth. Um, I think that between he and Rondo, probably the most uh, craftiest combo or duo tandem at the point guard position. Are, are you just not a big fan necessarily of, uh, of, of that tandem? Or do you think that they really don't believe in belonging in the game together necessarily that you should really get Trey, you know, in the game with Rondo out or in exchange when Trey comes out, Rondo comes in, not so much big fan of them being together. No, uh, quite honestly, I, I I do like when they're on the floor together, and uh, uh, for a lot of the reasons in which you said, Trey has a, a heavy load on his shoulders on a night to night basis, and Rondo is <laughs> possibly one of the top five greatest minds that we've ever seen in in the game of basketball. He's highly under underrated, I believe, in that aspect. People know he's a champion. People know about his grit. But the man is so smart. You hear players now talking about, oh, we know Rondo will be a coach or a GM, and he'll be creating championship teams. He sees the floor with a different eye. He was a quarterback in high school as well. He played football. So he, he's always kind of been that guy to facilitate and lead others, uh, whether it be on the field or on the court. And I do think that that, that allows Trey to play more that two-guard two position, a shooting guard position, whereas though all he has to do is score. And I think that unleashes another side of Trey, another – uh, a monster on, on the court because he doesn't have the wear and tear of thinking about, do I need to set up JC? Where's Clint at? Where is Cam uh, Herder or DeAndre? Whatever one of those gentlemen are on the floor. He can freely move around, look for his spots and score. Uh, I think that we we haven't been able to see a lot of that again because of the injuries. I think had, per se, a Chris Dunn been available, I think we would see Rondo and Trey on the floor a lot more so then Chris Dunn could come in and spell one of those two guys uh, whenever it would be needed. But I do like the tandem. I don't think you could have, it on the, have them on the floor together too much, like for too long, uh, just because of their size, not because of their IQ, but because of their size and you have so many guards in the league that are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, even 6'8", and up. Uh, and those two gentlemen aren't aren't the biggest or tallest, as you said. But when it comes to Rondo's IQ and the way he facilitates and when it comes to Trey Young being able to focus on being a scorer and, and handle things offensively. No, I, I do like that matchup. Uh, excuse me. I do like that lineup. I like that tandem. And I, I hope we see it more in, in limited spaces. Only a couple more minutes here, man. Got my dude Terrell Thomas with me. And I know that we kind of getting up against it because we got a, a, a pregame presser to get ready to get to. But, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> the next three games man first you got number one seeded team in the west currently excuse me the utah jazz coming up on tonight 16 and 5 overall seven and three on the road on a one game win streak and, and are nine and one in their last 10 games i'm just gonna try and get through this as fast as i can that's unbelievable and then it seems like it should get a little bit better after that, you got Toronto, who is 10th in the East, 9-12 and 12 overall, last in the Atlantic Division, 3-7 and seven on the road on a two-game win streak and 6-4 and four in their last 10. And then 
the last one, uh, you get uh, a rematch, uh, another date with Dallas again, who's 13th in the West. I'm sure that they would love to have this one back. Nine and 13 overall, two and six at home on a one game win streak, obviously, and then three and seven in their last 10. Give me, uh, give me what the record you think will be for these next three games. Again, you got Utah at home, Toronto at home, and then on the road at Dallas. What do you think that the the record will be for this team and what they need to do in order to uh, get a little bit of confidence? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go two and one. Um, with, with things being up in the air, with will Trey or won't he play tonight? And just Utah, I think Utah. Uh, Quinn Snyder's doing a wonderful job with that team. Um, I think the Hawks match up well against Utah. If I'm if I'm all the way honest with you, uh, I think they match up really well. But Utah's just a little bit more experienced, and they play together a lot longer than our Hawks. Um, so I I, I think it's going to be a, a challenge for the Hawks to get past Utah this evening. Uh, as you mentioned, I think that Raptors game. I think the Hawks will be able to find their footing and get things back on track. And then when they go to on the road to Dallas, I do feel like that'll be the, the revenge game that they will. You know that they'll 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 watch tape. Uh, Coach Pierce and Coach McMillan will watch tape, see what Dallas was doing last game, and kind of make the uh, the proper adjustment. So I'm, I'm gonna go two and one. I'm gonna go two and one. Okay, good deal. And uh, speaking of Dallas, as I always say, especially every time I'm in your presence, man, that is one. Uh, speaking of Utah, rather, that is one place that I think I will be okay if I never had to make another return visit. I had a good time with the homies, man, but that's about as far as it went. I was a little disappointed in the food, but that's another conversation for another right. day. I um, want to throw out a couple little kilo points out there before I ask you your my very last question. Um, one of them being that this is a Dallas team that haven't won in Atlanta since 2013. That's a seven-game losing streak. Uh, and in addition to that, that's where we've seen Dallas had three players that all scored in 20-plus points. Luka Doncic, uh, Kev, uh, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Kevin Herter, 21 points. I want to make sure I give him his flowers before we get out of here. 21 points, 10 assists, five rebounds. Again, surpassed a 500-plus career assist. He was more so the unsung hero for last night, although they came away with uh, adding a number to the right side of the result column. But um, my last one for you, John Collins tied his career high, 35 points, 12 rebounds, 16 for 21 from the field has definitely made some comments. And I want to get your opinion on it. Speaking upon, um, some, uh, he never went, he never went to the free throw line last night. Um, said that that's been kind of like a reoccurring theme saying that his game is real. Maybe I don't get the calls because of my athleticism, but I'm going to continue attacking the rim. Is that a real thing to you, Terrell? And uh, do you think that, you know, what, what will it take in order to get that? Because not only uh, is he not getting the calls, maybe that he feels like a lot of people feels like that he deserves, but on top of that, the officiating has changed quite a bit from Trey Young offensively from what we've seen earlier part of the season. So if you'll just kind of address uh, John's comments from last night. Yeah, I was I was pulling for the Hawks to pick up a big win last night because of John's presence, uh, mm -hmm. because he was very active around the rim last night, uh, offensively and defensively. And I think the comments that he made, I'm glad that he said them uh, in a way that he wouldn't get fined. You know that he wouldn't uh, that he didn't question the uh, uh, officials. But I think that on I think that on a night to night basis, the the man is he does too much around the rim and at the paint to not hit the the, the foul line. And, you know, if he if he had the, the star name behind him, the LBJs, the Kawhi Leonard's, he would get eight to ten foul shots a night. 
Um, so unfortunately, I think a lot of that does have to do with his stardom in the league. And I mean, as, as you as you started off, this it's a player's league, you know, and some people get certain calls and some people don't. I think John is kind of still earning his stripes in that respect. Um, but his game is real. His game is very real. And I've been impressed that uh, each season we see a little bit more growth in John. I know over the past yes. two he's he's been looking to expand his game and get out Very more true. from the three-point line because he he's already a beast him and Trey's chemistry or or honestly anyone who who's in the game when they when they throw that ball up to that man he's going to get it no matter who's in front of him and that's something that I highly respect about him but there were questions about his game outside the paint uh, so being as though he's expanding his game and he's working on that I commend him for that but it it doesn't make sense it, it doesn't make sense that you take 21 shots and and, you, and none of those result and and, and you go into the foul line. I think that uh, that also did, had a lot to do with the, how, the, the outcome of the game. You know, so just say John goes to the line three, four times last night. That changes everything. It goes from uh, being a six point game to maybe swinging the Hawks way. You know, and being a six to eight point game. Uh, uh, so I I don't I don't know what he can do besides continuing to voice. You know, walk that rope. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, he might have to show a little emotion and get a tech out there one time, you know, and speaking to the refs, just like, Hey, let his presence known that I'm here. I'm being fouled. Like, give me the same respect that you give these other players. Cause I think, I think John last, uh, last season, uh, before everything went down, I thought he was flirting with the, with the all-star being, being an NBA all-star, uh, the front court is so heavy. Uh, that I, I don't think he'll get get there this year, but he's still he's flirting with it like he's putting up numbers. Uh, I know a lot of people were looking at him to be like a, a, a 20 and 10 guy right now. He's about a 17 and 9, 17 and 8 guy. So he's 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 right around that double average and a double double on a nightly basis. Um, so I, I, I would like to see John get to the foul line a lot more, but I don't I don't know what he can do in his game because he is very physical. He gets to that cup. It's all about the referee pulling that whistle out their butt and making the proper call. Man, I couldn't have said it no better myself. And in conclusion, I just want to leave the people with this, as I typically always do on Hawk Talk. Um, I, I've just kept saying it over and over again. The teams that the Hawks are better than, they have to beat those teams because the expectations are high. They have to beat the teams that they're better than. And they have to beat the teams and also obviously having this mentality, they have to beat the teams that they are equally as good at. When it comes to the teams that are better than them, they have to at least compete in those games and maybe even steal a couple of those ones away as well. So uh, Terrell Thomas, man, look, listen, sports and entertainment reporter, content creator, owner of these Urban Times, and uh, essentially um, the guy that's really, really got me locked into this whole support black media thing, man. And that is very real, real, real like John Collins game uh, <laughs> and something that's very, very important. So I want to say thank you for joining us on episode 58 of Hawks Talk, man. And uh, I guess uh, not only looking forward to linking up with you sometime, hopefully sooner and later when we come out of COVID, as long as we're, it's not in Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, Deshaun, it's always a pleasure to talk basketball, speak to talk to you in general, but damn sure speak basketball. You're one of the greatest minds, I think, out here in this basketball realm, high school, college, and NBA. And that's, you know, Come a lot on, of man. Come on, bro. I, I, Come I believe on, man. I, I tell folks about you all the time, good brother. I swear I do, man, because I, I have I had the ultimate respect for the work you put in, for the knowledge that you provide. Shit, you've taught me a lot, you know, as far as what this player is doing in high school or doing in college. So I respect that. I commend you. Thank you for allowing me to be on your platform and talk basketball with you, man. I, I had a hell of a time.
Absolutely, man. You're going to make me cry. Let me go ahead and conclude the show and get up out of here. Terrell Thomas, again, sports and entertainment reporter, content creator, and owner of these Urban Times. Find him on Twitter and all social media platforms at Eldorado2452. That is at Eldorado2452. Appreciate you, big dog. Yes, sir. Much love. Man, that's my dude right there. And I guess I better hurry up and get my butt inside of this post game, pregame, rather, that is uh, press conference. So, in the event that you guys are hearing this, um after the utah game obviously uh i hope that it still serves some purpose as we look forward to the games that are coming after that remember to follow along on all social media platforms at tates take hoops you know that that's where basketball lives of course t-a-t-e-s-t-a-k-e-h-o-o-p-s and make sure that you subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast appreciate everybody for checking in and we got my dude coming in too man we got a clark kellogg that's going to be coming up on monday uh, around like around the same time, around five o'clock. So we'll talk to him, break down college basketball a little bit. You know, he wants to talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes and they got a big game tonight against Iowa as well. So looking forward to it. Keep it locked. Tate's take where basketball lives in a minute.